Hello, this is Jennifer Wolf Horsch, Executive Director of the International Association of Industrial Accident Boards and Commissions, also known as the IAIABC. You're listening to the IAIABC's podcast, Accidentally, where we discuss issues and events impacting workers' compensation programs. During Accidentally, I ask thought-provoking questions, raise awareness of emerging issues, and offer insights on workers' compensation. My hope is to make you think about work comp in a different way. You can subscribe to our monthly podcasts on iTunes or find them at iaiabc.org slash podcast. It may be invisible, but it has very real consequences. It's the leading cause of disability worldwide. It results in $193 billion in lost earnings in the U.S. each year. One in five Americans suffers from it annually. What are we talking about? We're talking about mental health challenges. There is a growing awareness that our mental health is just as important and has considerable economic and societal impacts as our physical health. There have been numerous international efforts, perhaps stimulated by the World Health Organization's Mental Health Action Plan, to raise awareness and break down stereotypes about mental illness. One of the biggest efforts is a campaign called Stamp Out Stigma, and it has the goal to change perceptions and reduce the stigma of mental illness and substance use disorders by encouraging people to talk about them. And that's what we're going to do today. We're going to talk about mental health issues and workers' compensation and how the system addresses them. This is perhaps never more important in the United States today, as we grapple with a devastating opioid epidemic. We're dealing with the opioid crisis will not be solved until we recognize and treat the mental aspects of addiction. Mental health challenges have always been a part of the workers' compensation system. They have often just been invisible. It's difficult to imagine that mental injuries would have been compensated under the nation's first workers' compensation laws. However, we now know the mind plays an important and critical role in healing and recovery. Invisible is becoming visible. Workers' compensation has traditionally taken a hands-off approach to mental health challenges. These claims are viewed as complex and costly and challenging. But throughout the past century, the system has evolved through both statute and case law with respect to mental injuries. There are three types of mental injuries considered in workers' compensation. But like most things in comp, there's wide variation across jurisdictions in how mental illness is handled. The first type of mental claim considered would be what's 
referred to as a physical mental claim. There are instances, for example, in a workers' compensation claim where a physical injury results in a psychological impairment. An example of this would be a person with a strained back who ends up with depression as a result of the isolation that they feel from being off of work and not being able to to continue with their life. Most jurisdictions would accept these claims if the mental diagnosis was causally related to the physical injury. From a state perspective, Georgia and Ohio have ruled mental illness is only compensable in these situations. So the mental illness must have been causally related to the physical injury. The second type of mental challenge that would be considered in workers' compensation are mental physical cases. And these are cases where mental stress or strain results in a physical injury. And there are two common examples of this. The first is that the stress, strain, or mental shock of a traumatic or extreme event, a violent act, a sudden environmental stimulus, etc., results in a heart attack or a stroke. And these situations would almost always be found to be compensable. Rhode Island recognizes this kind of injury with the following language. There's a sudden, direct, and traumatic stimulus causing physical harm. A more controversial example would be stress or strain, which causes a gradual physical injury, like an ulcer or that the stress or strain exacerbates a pre-existing physical condition. Wisconsin would recognize this when workplace stress precipitates, aggravates, or accelerates a progressively deteriorating or degenerative condition beyond its normal progression. The facts of the case would play heavily in the determination of this type of compensability. The third kind of mental injury considered in workers' compensation is referred to as a mental-mental claim. These are purely psychological injuries with no physical component. And it's intuitive that these injuries are a challenge for the system. And of course, there's a wide variety of state differences in how mental-mental cases are addressed. There are some states, including Montana, North Dakota, Ohio, Washington, and West Virginia are a few, which have specifically excluded all mental mental injuries in statute. And I think this example from Montana is um, pretty clear in stating the exclusion and the rationale behind this decision. So the Montana statute says, Stress claims, often referred to as mental-mental claims and mental-physical claims, are not compensable under Montana's workers' compensation and occupational disease laws. 
The legislature recognizes that these claims are difficult to objectively verify that, and that these claims have a potential to place an economic burden on the workers' compensation and occupational disease system. The legislature also recognizes that there are other states that do not provide compensation for various categories of stress claims, and that stress claims have presented economic problems for certain other jurisdictions. In addition, not all injuries are compensable under the present system, and it is within the legislature's authority to define the limits of the workers' compensation and the occupational disease system. So I think the Montana statute really sort of codifies why a state would not consider a mental-mental claim. And that's really linked to the fact that it's difficult to objectively verify and that those claims may be costly and that the employers in that state don't want to pay for them. Other states reference mental disabilities but are somewhat ambiguous in statute. An example would be Michigan, which states, mental disabilities are compensable if arising out of actual events of employment, not unfounded perceptions of the actual events, is reasonable, grounded in fact or reality. So that, in that situation, these claims could be compensable, but would depend heavily on the facts of the situation. There are many states, a few to note, Alaska, Colorado, New York, Rhode Island, South Carolina, and Wisconsin, have established a higher threshold that deems mental stress and strain be extraordinary and others require that stress to be from a single episode or a specific traumatic event. An example of that would be in Nevada or Tennessee. Most states that reference mental-mental injuries specifically exclude claims that result from employment or disciplinary-related actions. An example is Wisconsin's Extraordinary Stress Standard. The standard is that the mental injury must have resulted from a situation of greater dimensions than the day-to-day -day emotional strain and tension which all employees must experience. Only if the fortuitous event, unexpected and unforeseen, can be said to be so out of the ordinary from the countless emotional strains and differences that employees encounter daily without serious mental injury will liability under Chapter 102 be found. While there are many statutory references across the states into how these mental injuries um, are treated, the compensability threshold applied is heavily influenced by case law. So workers' compensation continues to evolve on mental diagnoses and how they are treated and if they are considered a commensable claim. However, there is still the issue of addressing the mental aspects of other compensable claims. This is an area of growing discussion and engagement, 
As the industry continues to embrace the biopsychosocial claims model, the biopsychosocial model recognizes that medical outcomes are influenced by our biology, our genetics, our biochemistry, our physical impairments, by psychology, our mood, our personality, our behavior, our mental challenges, and social factors culture, our family, our socioeconomic status, our own personal history. And it is this shift which is helping the invisible aspects of a claim become more visible. And when they are visible, they can be more effectively addressed. One trend which is gaining more widespread acceptance is the use of co cognitive behavioral therapy, also known as CBT. CBT is a specialized form of mental health counseling, which is conducted by a qualified healthcare professional, and it helps injured workers develop coping skills and gives a person tools and strategies to self-manage their symptoms. CBT is one tool and strategy that really could be employed more widespread in dealing with the opioid epidemic. It gives a patient the ability to more effectively and personally manage their chronic pain. And it's one strategy that can be used to help wean people off a chemical uh, dependence on a pill or um, other medication. And there are certainly other instances when counseling or psychotherapy may be appropriate in a workers' compensation claim. It really depends on the individual needs of that worker. The encouraging thing is the invisible is becoming visible. Workers' compensation must continue to recognize the role our psychology plays in the response and recovery to a workplace injury or illness. There is certainly more work that can be done. But as we deepen our understanding of the mind and have the courage to treat the whole person, not just the physical impairment, we will be able to better serve and create better outcomes for injured workers. I want to thank you for listening to Accidentally, the IAIABC's podcast series. I look forward to chatting with you about work comp issues throughout the year. You can subscribe to Accidentally on iTunes or listen at iaiabc.org slash podcast. I like hearing from you. You can send your feedback or suggestions for future Accidentally topics to jwolf at iaiabc.org. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Jennifer.